On this week's episode of Third Culture Africans, my guest is Ikenna Oda, the founder of Star Group. He is an incredibly talented entrepreneur who is always fully committed to any idea and is a pure business opportunity seeker. He's never been afraid to fail and has a huge passion for building businesses, networking, and leveraging relationships, even though he doesn't know where they end up. It's taken me a long time to get him on the show, and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did sitting with a good friend of mine who's been able to build an incredible business in a very short space of time. Welcome to another episode of Third Culture Africans. I am your host, Zezo Sal. I created the show as a resource for our community of Africans and African diaspora. A safe and honest place to share, inspire, motivate, and most importantly, celebrate those in our communities doing purposeful work and shifting the needle on our culture. Your support is invaluable to the show, so please subscribe or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and leave us a review on your favorite streaming platform. You are valid. You are strong and you are just getting started. Thank you, Aiki, for joining us on this week's episode of Third Culture Africans. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for having you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you have been perhaps my most challenging, most sought after guest. Sought after. <laughs> oh my God. Considering you're one of my closest friends, this is been the hardest to schedule in and get you to actually record an episode well i'm here now and uh happy to share yeah (laughs) (laughs) what is that um okay so i will give you your introduction like i do every guest okay ikenna odo aka lestar aka star luxury cars star luxury jets star property management group and star creative sounds about right (laughs) <laughs> uh, should I put also aka all round hustle? Hustle every day. <laughs> yeah, everyday hustle. Everyday hustle works. <laughs> okay, so a recent article that came out by the BBC said you've been dubbed as a beacon of hope, creating the Airbnb of luxury cars. Yes, that was beacon a... of hope. <laughs> I, I, I quite like that title. I like to see myself as the uh, the shining beacon for the uh, upcoming youths. And uh... stop. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I believe it myself, but it is what it is. You've been featured in Forbes, the BBC, The Guardian, Telegraph, and lots more, aka Beacon of Hope. And I'm not going <laughs> to let that go, by the way. Please don't. But I think one of the questions for anyone who doesn't know you, perhaps, if you can explain more about, I guess, the Star Group and what you do. Because I, I listed all the acronyms, but you've got five businesses under one umbrella. Star Group is, I guess, the the holding company. But essentially, your game is, or your business is, sweet life. Well, my business has been in business, especially with the current times. We're just trying to survive, to start off. There's no sweet times at the moment. Uh, (laughs) Enjoyment Minister. Okay, so there is, my main company is Star Luxury Cars, Mm -hmm. which is a for easiest explanation is an airbnb for luxury travel options we've been going mm-hmm. for about three years and it's a company that i'm looking to scale and be the number one global option for luxury travel from ground car transportation to air travel private jets and by sea travel so your luxury yacht charters in the mediterranean or in dubai or anywhere else where you have the option to explore luxury travel. That has morphed into giving birth to Star Luxury Jets, especially with the pandemic and people wanting to travel a little bit more private. So as a travel group, that will continue to morph into Star Luxury Yachts, and then they will just be Star Luxury Travel or Star Luxury. I launched a, I guess, property company at the start of the year. And lucky for me, or unluckily for me, a pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And opportunities have come from it and also setbacks have come from it. But it's been interesting because in the space of, I guess, 12 months, we've been able to purchase five properties. Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, quite an aggressive start for a newcomer in the property mm-hmm. uh, business. And then I have a creative company and that stems off the back of my stint in hospitality. <laughs> we'll or, get to that in a minute. <laughs> my stint in we'll hospitality. To, so we'll I still have my, um, 
I still have my creative side to me where I, I host events sometimes or mm-hmm. I uh, entertain clients sometimes. And essentially, that's what start creative is. You never do things by half. So when you say, oh, five properties in, in, in 12 months, I think you're you're an all or nothing guy. I think you've always been... Fully committed. As soon as uh, I decide I want to embark on something, it's uh, foot on the pedal. I love the word. (laughs) (laughs) Of my friends, I think you're the one person who is, I'm risk averse, right? We have this conversation all the time and you are very much like, but what do you have to lose? And you're happy to risk it all. Left to me, you'll mortgage your heart. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Jokes aside, but you're, you're, you're very ready to take risks, especially in business. And I think, you know, as hard as you go for any idea that you have, you're also always open to the fact that the idea might not work, but it still doesn't taint how you go at the idea. Failing is knowledge. Okay. So if I failed, what's the worst that could happen? I've gained knowledge and I could probably charge someone for not failing the same way I failed. True. Uh, there are a lot of businesses, a lot of ideas that are tried over and over again. Mm-hmm. So if I was able to fail at an idea, mm-hmm. I could lend my knowledge to a starting entrepreneur or a mm. seasoned entrepreneur yeah. who's trying to go into the same field but not fail. So I would say that's what I always take away from embarking on something new. What's the worst that could happen if I fail? I have amassed myself with knowledge that I could use to charge True. no job is ever too small though or no business is ever too no small. never never to put food on the table you can't look at any business too small but i feel like in our culture though and this is where you and i like i think over the years our friendship especially like our business discussions have always kind of we're not afraid to like be the guy holding the towel for the guy to wipe his face oh no if not that's the all. job and that's <laughs> and, and actually in it there's always a learning And in it, there's always an experience like, you know, from selling concert tickets to being a club promoter to selling Prosecco. That was an interesting... uh... To restauranting. (laughs) You know, you've done the restaurant thing. I cleaned the tables at the restaurant as well when I owned, part owned it. So that was... uh, I'm never shy to get, get my hands dirty when I'm in any business. True. Very true. I have a question here. Why star? S-T-A-R-R. That was, that came as, uh, started off as a nickname. My okay. friend saw me as the star of the show. Hey! Or <laughs> the star of any room that I walked into. Mm-hmm. And that morphed into my first entertainment company, which was Star Parties. Uh-huh. Uh, back then, I guess about, I'll say about 10 years ago yeah. when I first started. And it was a very successful company. We were probably the number one in Mayfair for packing out sort of nightclubs and I guess the first company that oh, hosted what was the likes of on the Sunday, goodness, um, Aura, Aura. Oh, hi, yeah. I've enjoyed with you, Chef. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed Aura with 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 all the celebrities and footballers and talking about celebrities. Star parties was uh, I guess the first to host the likes of Pharrell, mm. Drake. True. You were one of the first to start bringing them over to Alicia the UK. Keys, Rihanna. Yeah, I remember. You didn't used to invite me to those ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, were, I'll you... stop the name dropping, but yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your tables were always full then. <laughs> we you did, you we didn't did some used to work. remember me with those ones. You always used to remember your other friends when you had uh, your celebrity guests. You were probably busy working too hard. I wasn't busy. You just never remembered me. Building the Malay Empire. You did not remember me. That's <laughs> all I know. The only thing you remember was when ah, when there's no chance of me rubbing my shoulders with celebs. You'd be like, ah, do you want to come? I'm like, okay. How about the one last week? Um, but yeah, I think in that business, you did really well. So I think this is a huge, and for anyone, actually, I think this is a great lesson. And this is one of the reasons why I really wanted you on the show. Because there's this... Thanks for having me. Stop <laughs> <laughs> There's this fear of being not the guy like there's a fear and i feel like this ascension and fall right our culture is very much oh be afraid of the ascension and then the fall that comes after always right like we're always there's like this constant fear of failure because you're supposed to be good at everything all the time every day 24 7 365 days of the year and if you actually have a challenging period you've fallen off like everyone counts you out and then you become that guy who has but in our 20s Early on in our 20s, you had a business that was turning over over a million pounds. Yes. With a high profit margin. Yes. 
And at that point, I'm going to put this out there. Mm-hmm. You didn't even used to wash your shirts. Yes, I used to buy shirts. I think buy a stack of shirts every week. So that's... Oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> cringe, cringe. And I used to go to you, but what's wrong with the dry cleaners? No time. I would say, which was very, I guess I would say silly and mature or just fast life. At the time, clubbing, it was a very unique time, right? The music scene was kicking off in a big way. Yes. Um, especially the urban music scene, right? For the first time in the UK, we, we had a level of connectivity to the American hip-hop, R&B scene, unlike any time before, Indeed. right? It almost felt like the borders open. Indeed. And in a party sense, you were right there. And we were of the age where actually you can make a certain amount of money from throwing events and of parties. Course. And you threw them everywhere from mansions to, you know, your regular clubs. You're taking me down memory lane. Yeah. Honestly, I forgot, I forgot some of these you things. You forgotten your mansion parties? What was it? <laughs> was it Jeremiah or someone you had in a mansion party? It was I one think of those so. I think R&B so. guys. And I feel like... Mario. Ah, Yes. I have a funny story about that. Yeah. That was, uh, I have a friend, an acquaintance slash friend. Mario was called, I ended up being teased as Rihanna at the Ritz. Mm. Because it was supposed to be Mario at the Marriott. Okay. That was my first biggest failure, actually. I remember it. It was supposed to be at the Marriott on Park Lane. And this was me just coming out of uh, university Mm. and trying to throw the biggest Valentine's event party for anyone my age at I guess I was 21 Mm. ever thought of and I just could not make people believe me that Mario was essentially coming yeah to buy the tickets in time enough so I couldn't come up with enough money to pay the venue Mm. so I now had to go put Mario at the mansion yeah (laughs) which was a standard club and I I ended up being teased for that for a while and just being called Rihanna at the Ritz (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, that's my first, I would say my first big failure that yeah, hit me. I remember that actually. And you've had subsequent ones since, but I think one one of the biggest ones that came after, I guess your first one that I, I walked with. So I guess context, I'm jumping around, but context. We've known each other for goodness, a very long time. And I've... Why are you looking at me like that? We've I'm known... just wondering if I should intercept it maybe too long. <laughs> Um, we've we've known each other for a very long time and have you know navigated I guess formative years together coming into the UK as you know teenagers I remember we used to wear baggy jeans and a headband and and being into sort of music and culture and then adulting right I feel like I was still cool then you thought you were you thought you had hair then LL Cool J made us uh that was that was your idol right like he was your idol but we took that and into adulthood etc etc and throughout university okay so i threw a few parties at university to make money but you threw parties at university to make money i'm very aggressive when i see a business opportunity like you threw parties like that was I feel like you did that more than actually university. I, I think so too. Um, I saw even the opportunity in networking. As soon as I threw my first party, I think, again, this is, I was probably 20 years old and I probably made 10 grand in profit. Mm. And straight off the back of that, I set aside money I was going to use to go network in other universities or mm-hmm. at other people's parties just so that I can become bigger. Yep. My profile could become bigger when I throw parties and I could make more money. So I looked at it as a business opportunity right from the first amount of profits I saw. Mm. And then, oh God, I would remember you'd be driving. What car did you have then? Goodness me. So either, I think it was a Rover 75. Yes. It was the uh, knockoff version of the Jaguar S Yes, yes, um, I remember. I think I got a Rover at some point, um, MG Rover. Mine was red with re- red leather stitching. Um, again, from my party money. Uh, it was crazy because in one night you could walk away with like a grand five or two grand like this is my version you imagine 10k me and my own were small but you could walk away with and for like for a kid like first year university which is when i threw my first party and i brought friends who were djs like student djs from london to come and play r&b and hip-hop and i made like a grand and a half in one night like i was like oh my god it's a ridiculous amount of money back then I need to do this. Mm-hmm. And you'd like, my venues were like the function room in a pub. 
like you had you were doing like proper clubs that people i took were, risk then i took into. risk i mean i'm sure i think my first party we paid a deposit of maybe two thousand five hundred. wow and that's risky at 18 yes that's a lot of money <laughs> that's risky yeah. to think what if the people don't come and spend money at oh, the bar that was a big, or what if yeah. people don't turn up yeah and um, then you have to go to all the societies that's your version. Oh, what was your version? I mean, we just had to make sure that the big spenders were there at by 12 midnight instead of spending. Where did you, spend <laughs> Where did you so find this, them? This at university? They drove down from London. What? <laughs> it was a shock. It was when, when you say one of the jaw-dropping moments mm. where the owner of the venue is looking at you like, what is this? <laughs> because at 10 o'clock, when they're expecting to see all the student crowd, there's nobody in the venue. And by 12, mm. 1230, it's probably already... People have probably already spent 15000 in a space of 30 minutes in the bar. Wow. I was like, what is this? That, that was a jaw-dropping moment, even for me. Yeah. And so first time of seeing, I guess, lifestyle working, right? Enjoyment working. Yes. And, you know, there's this saying, enjoyment never runs out. It doesn't. It's consistent across the years, even in the middle of a pandemic. Mm. Everybody wants to go to a restaurant or to enjoy yeah. themselves. That's the first thing to Very escape true. life. So first start, start parties. Does really well for years, mm -hmm. right? Consistently, highs and lows, but consistently, it made you a lot of money for years. Yeah, yes, it did. And you spent it as quickly as you made it. Oh yes, probably so. Let my lessons. And then that business folded, mm -hmm. and then you had to start over. Mm -hmm. And not just start over, and you had some money in the bank. Start over from grafting zero, trying everything possible. I mean, not trying everything possible, but uh, I was still in hospitality, but. I, out of work in different stints and sort of different clubs or through different events. And they were just not as, as strong as my first experience in hospitality, mm. but I kept consistent. I think consistency is always key, especially when you are trying to achieve. If, if you had to give it a percentage of, okay, I was at hundred percent and then I went from a hundred to 15%. Wow. Yeah. I would say that's, that's Whole life adjustments. <laughs> I mean, we had a we had a nice snazzy office in Mayfair. Had a staff of five full time working for us. I, I love to prove that I, I'm the hardest working in the room. I mm. party at finish party at three a.m. and I'll be in the office at seven eight a.m. Life just became slow from hundred percent to fifteen percent very quickly. The benefits of youth. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Malay Natural Science. Malay's products are inspired by the rich landscapes, alluring scents, and ancient wisdom of Africa. Their luxurious fragrance and body care range balances 100% natural active ingredients and scientifically proven formulas to heal, protect, and pamper your skin. Malay ships worldwide, and you can buy their products at maleeonline.com. They also offer a free sample if you'd like to try. And so you took that and then started... What was the cab? Then you did the cab company. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. This is like a, a trip down humility lane. Humility <laughs> <laughs> No, it is a trip down humility lane. A friend of mine was running a cab company and I had a vision to always own a car rental company. So mm -hmm. I thought the quickest way to get into transportation was, okay, invest some money into the company and run it with him 50-50. But why we, transportation though? Like While I was in hospitality and during the biggest parties i used to rent cars and i used to encourage my oh friends God, to rent you just cars reminded me about the renting and your birthday party yes mm -hmm. i used to rent cars i mean one of my birthday parties i think i encouraged up to about 12 13 cars to be rented and i thought what if this was my company and i was mm. they were coming to me because it was clearly something people enjoyed mm. so over time that stuck in my mind that i was always going to sort of be able to offer a, a transportation service of sorts mm. hopefully more luxury, more lifestyle. Mm. When I saw the first chance, a friend of mine was well, needed some help with a, with his cab company. I invested. I became co-owner. I think that lasted for about two years before I ended up buying him out mm. and giving myself a six months target to make it work mm. or sell it. Mm. I ended up selling it. I was beginning to learn lessons of this is after mm. constantly trying things in hospitality of not mm. grafting to no results. Mm. But then I remember having like really late chats because at the time I'm building Malay right off the back and then you're sitting in a cab office. From, <laughs> Honestly, this is the down humility lane. I from, used to From sit. champagne <laughs> nights with celebrities to sitting in a cab office. I think it was in North London somewhere. Yes, Park Royal. Yeah. Very industrial estate. There was nothing glitzy. 
mm-hmm. Glitzy was 100 yards, 200 yards far removed from it. There was nothing nice about, pleasant about being in the cab office. And even till today, there's nothing nice about some of the cab drivers on the road. So you can imagine yeah. engaging them every hour by the minute. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then you, you would you would take the bookings. Then it, there was no apps or anything then, right? Like apps weren't a thing. So you would, yeah, you yeah. would take the, the calls, dispatch the drivers. Manually, yes. And that experience, what, again, in that moment, you went 120% at that business. Oh, I did. I went 120% so much that I bought out my business partner. I said, you know what? He's a very good friend of mine. So yeah. when he listens to this, he knows I'm sort of, you're not doing enough. Yeah. I'll buy you out. I'll give it six months yeah. because then I can take it on myself that I tried my best. But I yeah. can't, I can't, I couldn't expect somebody to give 120% if they didn't have it to give. Yeah. But yes, I, I, I definitely went 120% in that business. I just thought I had to give it up. But you gave yourself and you were hard on that timeline. Like you didn't even flex the timeline. It was six months and I'm out. Yes. I mean, so much that my sister even was working in the business at that time. She had mm. some time, so she was working in yeah. the business. Um, my family even tried to encourage me not to sell, mm. not to stop the business. Yeah. You know, just because it just was at a time where you guys are all doing something together. Mm. You and your sister continue working in it. And I said, listen, this is a business decision. Yeah. I was very, very clear with my timeline. And you stuck it to it. It was a hard like stop. You, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was it. But fast forward. So you took that. What did you learn from that? Like, was there any learning? Was it even worth it? Like, obviously, versions of what you do now is an evolution of that business. I am so thankful that I was part of that business. I don't think Star Luxury Cars would be where it is today mm. if I didn't fail in that business. Mm. Star Luxury Car, first of all, as a concept, not owning assets mm. and just being totally asset light, mm. is something that that business has shown me firsthand Mm -hmm. the difficulties of owning and operating assets. Mm. As soon as there's an asset is off the road, you have to pay, keep paying for it Mm. and you have to pay to fix it. And you have to then try and pay to get it back on the road. That taught me a great lesson about trying to structure something that's asset light Mm. in terms of managing personalities and managing staff Mm. that also just gave me patience in business. You have to have patience and the foresight of thinking for a greater good. Mm. But Star Luxury didn't come straight away. Like- no, it didn't. I, I was that fed up with transportation when I sold. Mm. I mean, I was doing 24-hour shifts in a cab office. Yeah. 36 hours sometimes. Mm. So if I start in the morning at night, 8 a.m., mm. and I go all the way to 8 a.m. the next morning, mm. and maybe I had planned on the weekend... Mm-hmm. I would say, you know what, let me do an extra 12 hours mm. so that I could move around the staff shift or my yeah. business partner shift just so I have some more time to myself on the mm. weekend. Mm. But I was doing 36 hours. So after that, I just felt my life is back. Yeah. And then you took that and then, again, you kept trying more things. I remember once there was like a nursing home or care home thing agency. Oh, my goodness. I was trying to start that with a friend and I, I quickly halted. Mm-hmm. And I think I just started applying for jobs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then you did the project management course. Oh, I did a project management course. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought, my goodness, these IT guys make a lot of money. I could apply for a job and I would just be so Contracting. Great. I remember contracting. <laughs> and it would just get me so much money and I could mm. probably run away with all the money once <laughs> I have it. But I, it just never felt right. Mm. Working for someone else never felt right or pursuing that career never felt right? Pursuing that career never felt right. Okay. So while I was applying for IT jobs, mm. that would probably make me what, anything between 500 to 1,000 pounds a mm. day. Mm. I guess that, you know, I was just looking at making 20,000 pounds a month in my mm. pocket. I was also applying for hospitality role, managerial mm. marketing, which is something I'm ingrained in. Mm. And yeah, then I got, the, I got a job in a Japanese restaurant called Kozu. I think the first... Two months. I don't know if it was just the restaurant was doing badly or it was my expertise. I think I increased the uh, revenue 150%. Yeah. And again, the owner was jaw dropped. And then as a hospitality business habit, it Mm. is cyclical. And it just, when it became the off season, Mm. the owner just couldn't understand why I wasn't giving him 150%. Where's 150% (laughs) Where's 150% revenue? And I I couldn't explain myself further. Because you started... 
I think in like just at the tail end of like winter, right? Into yeah. spring and then there was the summer and then obviously everyone travels. Yes. But again, with that business, at some point people thought you owned the business. Oh yeah. I mean, it looked like that when I was hosting and yeah. when I was marketing, yeah. because again, it's that 120%, give it all you have. Yeah. Again, I'll say you're never too big for anything. I was, my role was the marketing director, mm. but I, printed letters and went door to door, knocking on doors at the likes of American Express mm. and Google, hand delivering letters, mm. inviting them personally to come and try our food. And I guess it, the, the restaurants in Victoria, so the biggest companies have, yeah. you know, head offices in Victoria. And I, I did a door to door consistent letter dropping. I remember those newsletters. <laughs> so, I remember yeah. those newsletters. So, at I, one point I wanted to just... unsubscribe, but I couldn't. Yeah, because sometimes I have something interesting going on. Yeah, you did. Um, but you were great. I think you were, the, you were the first person that I saw leverage influence. And I guess you had that experience from the club and party promoting days where you'd bring celebrities and, and realize the pool they had, right? And the effect they had. But seeing it translate across multiple industries, that was the first time. And you would bring a celebrity into the restaurant and there was paparazzi outside and i'm like but uh, how do they know they were coming here and you're like uh, what do you mean i i made this happen we, we put the work together and i guess that was the first time realizing under the hood that actually celebrities need to stay relevant so they actually need as much as businesses need influencers and celebrities influencers and celebrities also need businesses i mean i was Still this year's old when I learned that if you see a celebrity getting um, consistent mentions mm. online or in Telegraph or Forbes or mm. Daily Mail, mm. they probably have a product that they're about to launch. Yeah. So they need to be on the airways. Yeah. Kind of but, waking but, up but their fans. You, but were you, keeping, were you keeping abreast with what, I don't know, whoever's going on because you've you had everyone from like Towie to you know american celebrity like you had everyone through through the doors that you possibly could at the time but then i would ask you but how did you know them to to contact them networking networking with their agent knowing when they want to be relevant um mm. and when they're available for public but where do you find an agent you just google them <laughs> like you make it sound so easy oh my goodness again trip down memory lane it's just consistent networking and the boldness of approach. They're typically out with their agents in yeah. a restaurant, in a club. Mm. So when they out and, you know, they're having a great time, you know, again, just from my notoriety, mm. their tables are typically next to mine in the club. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quick to network and yeah. understand, you know, how we can do something together. And that's even when I walk into a room, if you had a group of friends mm. sitting in this room right now, I probably would walk out knowing who I'm going to do business with. Okay. So I, I always do that kind of when I'm in a room. It keeps things interesting because when you network, you either, I think people are easier networking when you want to do business as opposed to, hey, do you want to be my friend? Yeah. A lot of people like no new friends. Yeah. Right. But yeah. hey, let's do business. Okay. I'm all ears because yeah, a lot of people want know, to make but money. But how do you know off the bat, okay, I have a project that I could work with you on or Exxon or actually I'm bringing I don't know. to this equation. I never know. Okay. For example, my lawyer in yep. Scotland for properties that I've purchased, mm. he's my second lawyer. The first one was horrific. Yeah. And the person who introduced him to me mm. was the uh, CEO of the um, polo club, mm. of the, the guards polo club. Oh, yeah. And Neil has been, you know, a close friend of mine mm -hmm. via networking. Yeah. I, I never knew what kind of business we were going to do together. Mm. We were supposed to do something with cars at the club and that never really happened. Mm. But it's so key to my business that he introduced me to a great lawyer. Mm. I like making friends. Yeah. And it's good to do business with friends. You're always on the phone. I'm not on the phone right now. <laughs> That's why it's taken us this long to get this episode in. Because you, you invest a lot of time, not just into the, I guess, the front end part of the business, but it's almost, you have the ability to see almost the blueprint of what you're trying to execute. Now, granted, you're also okay to say, but this might not work and that's okay. I have something to ask you. Why are you asking me? Why haven't questions? we done business? Hey, we've, we've done small things together. Oh yes, we sold uh, content, content tickets. tickets. <laughs> we've done little things together. Hey. Um, 
Okay. But we haven't done anything big together. And that's... And that just came to my mind. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm talking about doing business with... Uh... Everyone. We've done little things together, but we haven't done anything huge yet, right? Like that would say, oh, wow, you and I have done this business uh, together. Quick question for you. And because you've had so many highs, right? So many peaks in different forms in the last two decades, right? Granted, you've had some major I sound old when you say two decades yeah but you've been doing it a long time yeah i like to think i'm uh, still young yeah but <laughs> to be fair you cross into a second decade right now yes but you've been doing it a long time and at what point did you go i've made it was it the first time the second time at either point when you were at a high not sure I mean, as a young guy, mm. when I had star parties, I thought, my goodness, I've made it. Yeah. Like I said, I was probably, what, I was 23-ish. Yeah. And I had an office yeah. in Mayfair with a team of five working full-time for me. Yeah. This was 2009, mm-hmm. 2008. Yeah. And my peers were almost twice my age. Yeah. So if I continued on, like, again, if I wasn't blowing money as fast as if I wasn't learning the horrible lesson of make it fast, blow it fast, Mm. then I probably would still be saying I've made it. So that's probably the first time. And then you would always feel you've made it before the drop comes, right? Yeah. And then you learn your lessons. But then I guess this time around, what's different now for you? Maturity. Okay. You give me a million today uh, in cash, it wouldn't budge me. Like... Yeah. I, feel like I think I, you have an aversion to buying things now. You actually yeah, don't I, shop now. No, I, it's bad. I think about it sometimes that I don't spoil myself. Actually coming to meet you today, yeah. I've been thinking about a watch. I haven't worn a watch for maybe about... Years. Oh, yeah, I remember years. when I used to love the American Echo, you know, the Echo watches. I used to buy the biggest ones too. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I mean <laughs> watches watch are, again, they're like a show-off thing, right? Yeah. But sometimes your wrist feels light. But no, I don't buy things anymore. And the conversation we keep having is a necessity, a car. Yeah, which yeah. yeah you don't even own a I car. I feel like I need a, a, my family needs a car, but yeah. we don't even own a personal car. I just struggle to actually part with money instead of investing it. I, I feel like that is definitely you now. There's a constant, well, I have access to cars. And I have this conversation with you and I'm like, but why don't you own a car? It's really crazy considering what you do for, for work. So you take Star Luxury cars, three years ago, it's nothing. Zero. Zero. Does not exist. If anyone Googles luxury car rental, you're probably in the first three options that come up on the internet. Uh, most times we're number one. Ah, sorry. Let's be uh, clear about that. <laughs> sorry, don't be modest then, shall we? Um, but yeah, anyone Googles luxury car mm-hmm. rental and you are number one. Yes. Which I've watched you build that business and it's considered a tech business. Which blows my mind, considering that you still have a BlackBerry. Yes. And you only just changed your BlackBerry, like two weeks ago. <laughs> yes, to, to a newer one. To a newer version. Again, my version for buying things that I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. You've been able to build incredibly quickly an amazing tech business that is outperforming big brands like Hertz or Sixth or you know, all of the main competitors, Avis, that we know, right, for luxury car rentals, just purely based on the internet. Yes. I mean, just for context, we're not outperforming them globally. We're we're outperforming their single units. Cautionary statement. Cautionary statement. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the tax man is listening or, uh, (laughs) you know, the family in the village. (laughs) (laughs) They're coming to tax you. So we do. We just, we just have to make it clear. It's not quite as big yet, but single units or single units, yes, we're up there. But you did that pretty much off your laptop. Yes, it's uh, and your phone. Sometimes I chuckle at myself as yeah. my clients are. I mean, the likes of the Ministry of Defense, yeah. right? You know, profiles of billionaires, which mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mention, or yeah. celebrities, which I wouldn't mention, but in t- uh, the likes of, in terms of corporate, JD Sports, yeah. British America, Tobacco, McDonald's, McDonald's, we did the best McDonald's ad. Yeah. It's just... The British American, was it a British American The tobacco? British American Tobacco. You guys had like supercars. 10 super McLarens driving around London for a month. Anyone who knows cars, you did the numbers in that. Yeah. That was intense. And for me, I just 
could not fathom even where the business could go when it's beyond my small team at the moment and my laptop. We say we're a tech business. We don't even have an app yet. Yeah. When we do have an app, I hope that we're doing times 100 what we're doing across yeah. different cities. But you've been able to build this purely with organic SEO. Yes. SEO being search engine optimization. For those who don't know, yes, it's it's what allows your business to be found on Google, which is, I guess, the, the number one place our growing world goes to to find anything new or to find a reliable service. Yeah. Um, if you look us up, I think most of our reviews are five stars. Mm. Uh, we don't pay for those. Mm. It's genuinely clients who are very happy with our service, and it's not the norm in our industry. So here's the thing, right? There's always this mindset that says, well, your business can only be successful based on the people you know. And you clearly are a guy who knows a lot of people. So uh, no brainer, your business will do well. But what you're saying is actually a huge part of your client base are people you don't know who've just found you. And I love it. Okay. I I, I love it. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) So being in hospitality Mm. and hands on the poles, fingers on the phone all the time, talking to people, keeping in touch, you then feel a certain level of consistent commitment Mm. to those relationships. Mm. If you rent a car from me today, Mm. a Lamborghini for a week or month, Mm. we will provide a great service. Mm. And once that hire is done and you've handed the keys back, Mm. there's a pause to Mm. that relationship until you knock on our doors again. So there's no need to massage the relationship. Not consistently. Yeah. No. The the relationship has been massaged by our great service. Mm. And I appreciate that because, again, when you start becoming mature, mm. you start to have a work-life balance mm. and want to, I guess, dedicate some time to family, dedicate some time to yeah. hobbies, yeah. or even just enjoy some me time Yeah. when you're not working. Yeah. You talk about fatherhood and entrepreneurship or family life and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. You know, daddy daycare, I think you were the original daddy daycare. And you do both with the same vigor. Yes, when my first daughter was born, it was literally at building stage as well of yeah. Star Luxury. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, tasking enough when you're do- trying to do daddy daycare with a under six months baby. She has a newborn. Ask- yeah, asking for attention Yeah, when you're full-time daddy daycare at that point yeah you were Um, a full-time dad you were actually the roles were reversed you were a full-time dad working off of your lap i remember those conversations because you and i would be on the phone egging each other on (laughs) throughout the day and then you'd be like oh no she's woken up i have to change the nappy (laughs) and i i guess i then had my daughter six months later so I felt the pain six months later. It's one of those things where you can't explain it until you've been through it in Zero. life. Having a child or having kids at home, you're trying to divide your attention. And right? run a business at the and same time. And run a business at the same time. Yeah. I mean, most people are beginning to experience it with the pandemic. Oh, but... God. Didn't you find that hilarious when people would complain about, oh, we're working from home. Um, <laughs> this has been, this is, this this is, is our life. life. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, I just can't focus. I, they keep interrupting me. You're <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know any different. There's another version. There's a, there's an episode of Kim Kardashian where she can't even get her makeup on because her <laughs> daughter, she can't do her makeup tutorial yeah. because her daughter keeps interrupting. Uh-huh. <laughs> Standard. And it's like, as large as Kim Kardashian is, yeah. she really felt what the burnt is of having is. the kids at home. I, um, so I, shout out to all the childcare professionals. Yeah. Uh, kudos yeah. to you guys. <laughs> they make it possible, to be honest, in any way, shape or form or partners who are holding it down. Segue into COVID and navigating COVID. Obviously, in the business of enjoyment, people aren't necessarily going places where they want to be seen in flashy cars, etc. as much as they were pre-COVID. And again, question mark. Au contraire. Uh (laughs) question mark but this is happening right this is happening to us in the moment how are you navigating your business in the pandemic not that it's changed because for you it's always laptop and phone Mm. but you've had to get more creative star jets came about Mm -hmm. because you realize that a large part of your customer base who have the means still want to be mobile yeah but necessarily not in a commercial sense they want to guarantee in you know inverted commas, their safety. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me, it's always been foot on the pedal. Mm. If you're committed to the business, Mm. don't look left, don't look right. Maybe look sometimes, but 
you have a straight vision, it's ahead of you, keep mm. going. When the pandemic struck, mm. I hired an operations director. You did? <laughs> yeah. You hired? I hired. Mm. And this was when I could see my sales going to zero. Mm. I, I don't think there's ever been a month we've probably gone, you know, maybe lost six, even 50% of our revenue. revenue yeah. But I could see yeah. our sales going down to 20%, 10%. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'll hire you just because I thought the world is still going to return to some kind of normality. Mm. But also, I believe in building mm. when everyone is sort of scared mm. or uncertain. Mm. When there's uncertain times, there's always capitalizing mm. or you or just explore. I took that opportunity to hire an operations director. Mm. That's actually paid off quite well. I always wanted sort of a, a number two mm. who believes he's number one mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to work quite closely with to grow the company now we are subject to the government guidelines and restrictions Mm. but as soon as restrictions are lifted it almost seems like the tap is turned on and Mm. turned off Mm. we don't have your average joes because your average joes have to watch the penny Mm. but as as the likes of amazons and the big businesses are getting rich Mm. it seems like our typical 60 percent of our clients who are ultra high net worth Mm. they are getting richer and they're hiring as soon as the restrictions permit them to actually mm. go out, once and the world drive opens up, it's like yeah. Once the world opens mayhem. up, yeah, they want to have fun. They want to they want to live their life the way yeah. they're accustomed to. Mm. And there's also restrictions they have in place, right? So mm. the least they could do is enjoy. If they can have a Ferrari or Lamborghini or Rolls Royce for mm. the weekend, hey, why not? Like we just have this little amount of time before we're told to go back indoors and be locked up again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in terms of navigating the pandemic. For me, it's just surviving, Mm. exploring, and capitalizing. Mm. So one of the important things everyone talks about with business is raising capital. I need a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. I I need a lot of money. I know what to do with money, so I need a lot of it. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is... Anyone listening that has money? (laughs) But to be honest, the perception is to be able to play in luxury, right? Always. Mm -hmm. Whether it's building a brand, building a product, building a service, you have to have money to make money. Oh, yes. Especially in the luxury space. And if you hesitate to spend, it will bite you. Mm. Like, never hesitate to spend if you're spending to invest on it. Know what you're going to get back. Yeah. And even if you're not... I mean, I say this to you all the time with yeah. PR, right? Like, you're not necessarily going to get the results back immediately. Mm. But spend because you are building. Mm. And it will come back at mm. some point. I'm risk averse. So, <laughs> um, but well, you keep working on me with that. But there's something about... I guess because from a consumer perspective, our luxury spend culture as... I guess, within our communities, there's a hesitation to it, right? It's almost like, oh, it's it's a frivolous spend. And so when you're in business in that space, I find if you don't have the money in the beginning, there's a sense of insecurity you get, right? Because you're playing with the big boys, but mm-hmm. you're able to push past that. Oh, yes. I am rudely unapologetic. I don't see your class above mine, mm. I would approach you if you were the richest person in the room. I mean, I got introduced to a client recently and I think he's an Indian fellow who, I think millionaire or billionaire, worked out of Nigeria. Mm. And he actually, met, he sent a message to the person who introduced us. Mm. And he said, are you sure he's Nigerian? He doesn't talk or speak to me like uh, one of the Nigerians. Mm. And that's just cut off. I see him as a common ground. Yeah. When I speak to him, and, <laughs> you know, you know, I just, I just don't do that. I mean, when I yeah. know you, I can then tease you and call you chairman, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. when I meet you in person, yeah, we're peers, yeah, right. We're, I will engage you as a peer, and even if I, because I want to do business with you, mm. right? I want you to be my business partner. If you have more money than me, I want you to be my business partner. Be the fund of let me run around, but we're gonna make this money together. I just don't look at people in that way. And maybe mm. that's come off normalizing or being around money, right? Mm. I've seen people waste it. I've mm. seen people use it properly. I've seen people just spend it and enjoy mm. it. So it's hard. Mm. It's, it's very hard for me to be impressed by it so mm. much that the way I would engage is different from the way I would engage the, I don't know, the mm. housekeeper or 
do you make that mental shift consciously, which is, hey, this is a potential investor or, hey, this is a potential business partner or, hey, like, is that instinctive for you or is that coming off the bat of what you know of the person? It's mostly meeting when I meet new people. Mm. Anyone could be a potential business partner. Mm. You would find that the richest of people or the most successful of people mm have a large network. I mean, forget the new, the new tech businesses that mm. go from zero to hero mm. in space over here. But mm. people who have been in business consistently, mm. they know a lot of people mm. because they've been involved in different businesses mm. over time and built different relationships. Yeah. So typically when I meet people, I, I might not know their wealth status mm. or their societal status, mm. but I, I like to engage them. I mean, I, I might know slightly a little bit, mm. but I like to engage them mm. and create lasting relationships mm. has that helped you make the investments or get the funding that you need at times yes i mean my current funding are from close network of mm-hmm. friends i hope you join that close network of friends soon <laughs> i tease but uh, i'm serious <laughs> what? are you joking <laughs> Current funded close network of friends. I am just before we started this mm. podcast. I said I, I want to become more adverse, mm. looking for uh, I don't know corporate investments mm. and being able to reach out to people who are mm. in the banking world mm. out there to, because that's not typically my forte. I'm mm. a grafting mm. businessman. Yeah, grassroots guy. Mm-hmm. This is where the difference in today's business sense is. I think everyone is obsessed with this VC life. Yeah. And venture capital money and funding. And and we've seen actually in the pandemic, a lot of those investments implode, right? Like the the VC model in the way that it's been run probably in the last sort of five to 10 years isn't necessarily a real business for the businesses they're investing in because they're investing in book value, right? Like no one's investing. They're investing in bubbles. Yeah. I think. Um, But but not the reality, Mm -hmm. right? Like, whereas you've always built businesses based on Here's a business. I have one pound. Can I make that one pound, two pounds or three pounds or four pounds or five pounds? And here's also the proof of us consistently doing that and turning a profit. Do you want to invest in something that... Actually, it's proven. So does that help? Have you found that being the shift? When I raise capital, I'll probably probably be able to answer that better. But at the moment, like most of my businesses, I would say, I mean... I would say my core two businesses are luxury travel Mm. and property. Mm. I would say I'm still at the infant stages mm. of both businesses. Although, mm. like, most would class it as, oh, my gosh, like, you've made it, your mm. businesses are successful. For me, and where I see myself going mm. to, I'm at the infant stages. Mm. I mean, Donald Trump started and has his hotels and his real estate places. Mm. I, I hope to be able to reach those, oh, those peaks. Trump, really? <laughs> he's, he's not my role model, but yeah. that's the first names that come to mind because CNN yeah. brainwashes me every day with Donald Trump's... <laughs> Donald Trump's name. So the first person that comes to mind, I think real estate is uh, Donald Trump. Wildest customer order or request or experience you've had? Wildest? Yeah. Female security, female bodyguard, two cars to drive behind him uh, while he drives. Um, I thought that was... uh, For for a male? For a male. I thought that was weird. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I mean, not weird because it was uh, female being a security or female drivers, but it was just... He didn't want it for the security, yeah. right? He just wanted it for the, the aesthetics. Uh, aesthetics. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. People live their lives in different <laughs> ways. Oh, goodness. I even forgot the drinks brand thing. I remember the, the one with the diamond in it and franchising. And Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. There's been, a, there's been a bit. I guess you've built your businesses around service. Yes. And in essence, the property business is, is sort of asset management and, you know, you flip them essentially. Yes. Would you ever own a product business? I would love to. I was speaking about this the other day with mm. a friend of mine or with a group of friends. And the product business I'd like to own is actually um children's brand. I want to own a Peppa Pig type of Peppa brand. Peppa Pig! Ah. Yeah. I, 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 like, there's just no control to how that business expands or morphs into different things, yeah. morphs into TV shows, morphs into pajamas, characters, all the things we have to pajamas. buy. They could probably make pepper pig food and say, this is what pepper pig eats. And yeah. that's probably when your child is going to eat all their food. Paw Patrol. Yeah. Like, Paw Patrol. <laughs> like that's what I want to own in terms of that's a product. A kid's product. Uh, yeah. A kid's product. Lovely. Um, well, what's next? Consistent focus. 
property, cars, jets. Yes. What are you going to call what, the star yachts? Yeah, it'll be yachts. Okay. We're probably, what, two years away from that. Mm. I've got to focus on getting the jets up to the same level as cars. Mm. And just work-life balance. Mm. I don't want to be one of those people who, I, 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 again, I said this to a friend the other day, like, you don't want to be working too hard. You just want to work smart mm. and actually enjoy your life. But what's working smart for you, though? You work incredibly hard. Uh, no, you think so. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't work as hard as I could. Honestly, you as can I... work harder than you're working. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Physically? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like, trust me, a lot of times, um, I don't know who's listening, but uh, who would be listening, but a lot of times I pretend that I'm working. I'm actually not. I'm just working smart and I'm, I'm making money. So, this is how you've been deceiving me? Recently, before it was 120%, as you said, like I work like, yeah, but to be fair, the pandemic has done a lot of good in, in the sense that it's perhaps for you as a friend, it's gotten you to realize that actually you can take some time off. Oh yeah. Like uh, don't fret. Like everything will take care of itself as far as you've put structures in place within your business. Um, hey, the benefit of having a working team. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. That's the sweet spot. When it your is. Te- when your team actually works, it gives you that mental break that you need at times. Well, where can everyone find you on the like World Wide Web? Don't have to find, don't have to look too hard for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but where can they find you? Instagram, I-K-E underscore L-E underscore star with a double R. Yeah. Or you can just type my government name, you cannot order, and you'll find me. And that's across all social media. On Google, yeah, you can type <laughs> Luxury Car Rental. <laughs> luxury Car Rental or Star Luxury, and you'll find the company and, you know, a little bit about what we do. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Third Culture Africans. It has taken me. Goodness, how long to get you here? And I'm grateful for you making the time. I'm glad to be the most sought after guest. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Third Culture Africans. We are building a community of leaders and game changers and would love you to join in the conversation on thirdcultureafricans.com. Subscribe for news, for tips and more useful resources on today's topic and more episodes to ignite and inspire your entrepreneurial journey. Carry on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Third Culture Africans. Your ratings and reviews are important to us, so please leave one on your favorite streaming platform and help us amplify our voices. Until next time, you are valid, you are strong, and you are just getting started.